The Hogs are going to Omaha. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. You can actually feel Razorback Stadium shaking underneath our feet right now. You just got to keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. Arkansas wins the national championship. What I say when it comes to this basketball team is the law. Absolutely and without discussion. I have been trying to get you together with Ty. Strikeouts are boring. Besides that, they're fascist. Throw some ground balls. It's more democratic. This is the Halftime Podcast, presented by Jeff's Clubhouse. Brad, before we get into our first topic, man, you at one point in time did radio with Nick Mason. <laughs> I got to hear about that. Nick's a good friend of mine. He helped me get this gig. So let's hear about that first. Well, I actually, I think I helped Nick get into radio um, a little bit. Maybe he wouldn't tell you that, but I feel like I, I helped him. Um, Nick and I actually hit it off. It's, it's actually a crazy story. And, and Nick and I are unlikely friends. In fact, um, when I put it out there today that or yesterday that I was going to be on here, he was, sent me a text message. He's like, how'd you do this? And so anyway, Nick and I actually met up on the intramural flag football fields. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like 29 years old playing intramural flag football, b- married. And Nick, of course, he's a little bit younger than I. Um, we ended up playing each other on the flag football field and somehow just connected. I, and I don't even know how. And so, um, I was on a show in Northwest Arkansas, and I was hosting it, and I was like, man, I've had Nick on here before. Let's bring him on. So he became a mainstay with us, and it just it just kind of worked out. And, uh, yeah, Nick and I are still good friends even today. Nick's a good guy. And, again, I want to give him credit. He helped me get this job along with John, and he was the one that initially texted me a, a few months prior about him – possibly leaving and then taking that so i know i owe nick a lot and i make sure to anytime his name comes up i get that but i was just kind of curious to the the connection the connection right yeah. i mean it's it's obviously like i said we're unlikely friends but we are friends and you know we talk every once in a while and uh still love and respect nick so nick and i met at a basketball game when he was also working at northwest arkansas at the time we became friends and then john and i's relationship kind of blossomed just seen each other on Dixon Street quite honestly <laughs> we would see each other I'd see him at the games we'd talk a little bit and then we'd see each other out and you know as well as I do sometimes you're a little more talkative when you're out on Dixon right. Street and that's kind of our how our friendship formed but it's it's kind of funny how that goes so all right let's get into what happened yesterday so the the Arkansas media and the Arkansas football staff were together at Paradise Valley for a little golf get together that Brett Bielema discontinued after the first year, and it was it happened during Petrino years, the nut years, and Chad Morris has since brought it back. Last year, if I remember correctly, they didn't play because of the rain. They just sat, ate, and listened to coaches. Well, this year they played, despite there being a decent amount of rain. There was actually some good content that came out of yesterday. I was kind of curious heading into yesterday, um, Brad, if there was going to be anything worthwhile coming out of the coaches talking and stuff. Because, you know, sometimes it's just coach speak and you're just like waiting and they're not saying anything that's actually like worthy of your time. Well, there was actually some good amount of stuff that came out of yesterday. And I think if you had to pinpoint your biggest question mark for this upcoming season, what would you just say off the top of your head is? Well, just off the top of my head is offensive line. I mean, that's that's the number one thing. If they can't block people, it don't matter how many great skill position players they have, they're they're not going to be any good. So Dustin Fry, the offensive line coach, he was asked about that yesterday, and he talked about the biggest difference between last year 
and this year. Oh, we have three deep now. It's like, oh, I have I have backup now, you know, and, and you know, some people will say, well, if you have 10 reps, you should be able to take 10 reps. Well, as an offensive lineman, whether we're in pads or anything, we're going to hit every play. So being able to have backup and be able to say, hey, I got these five or six plays and I'm going to I'm going to smoke these five or six plays because the real life is when you know you have 15 plays in a row and you have no backup, it's hard to it's hard to sit there and go, I'm going to grind, I'm going to grind, I'm going to hit somebody. So now I can have competition. I have I have depth. Um, so that to me is the biggest difference. So they lose their best player in full, lose two other starters, but what he just said right there I think sums up how tumultuous last year was for that group. The fact that they had zero, like there's there's not having depth and then there's what Arkansas had right. to go through last year. Well, it's actually been a culmination over the last few years. I actually wrote an article about it on River Valley Now where it started with the loss of Sam Pittman, and it has snowballed all the way into what I think, what I believe that uh, the coaches hope is a culmination, or what was a culmination last year, and now they can begin to go back up the hill a little bit. Um, the offensive line was one of the worst SEC for sure offensive lines I've ever seen last year, and the fact that they couldn't snap the ball was it just compounded the problem. Yeah, it was it was it was terrible all the way around. So. I don't think that there really is anywhere to go but up from last year. You hope so. You hope so. And, uh, Dustin Fry was also asked, well, hey, if you had to trot five guys out there today, what would that look like? He touched on the depth chart heading into fall camp. Day one, when we roll out there, uh, it'll obviously be Colton at left tackle. It'll be Caps at left guard, Cleary at center. It'll be Shane Clinton at right guard, and it'll be Dalton Wagner at right tackle. Going through the second line, I'd rather not do that, and here's why I haven't talked to my guys about it yet. And so I, I don't want them, and they'll be fine because, hey, get over it. You know, we're you're at where you're at, but let me let me talk to my guys about where they start. The first line set, but let me talk to the second and third guys before they find out on news tonight and their mom's calling and be like, hey, why are you playing guard? You, you were recruited as a tackle or something like that. So he also would go on to touch on that Myron Cunningham, the JUCO guy, ha- is going to be playing. He's going to be getting some playing time. He said he had to find a way for him to get on the field. So Right now, that's what you're looking at at the offensive line standpoint heading into fall camp. Now, that can be subject to change, as we've seen so many times, not just in in this short time that we see with Chad Morris, but just offensive lines in general as you look back at Arkansas, just because you have a starting position locked up in the fall camp, someone can outplay you and, and get that. And based on what you lost last season, three starters, your best offensive lineman in, in Yellow Froholt, the question remains, this is offensive line despite getting more depth, does that mean they're going to translate to being better? Because you mentioned how bad they were. I believe the statistic is second in sacks given up, only trailing Kentucky. This is an offensive line group under Sam Pittman that was the the stalwart, the the centerpiece of Arkansas football. You had the, you had the offensive lineman on the, <laughs> the media guy, for goodness right. sake. And then all of a sudden, it, just in a few short years, it's one of the worst, not only in the SEC, but in the Power Five. Oh, right? absolutely. And... And obviously, if you don't have something up front, if you if you're not a, if you don't have a good offensive line, if you don't have a good defensive line, you're going to struggle uh, to begin with. But the question is, are they better because they bring back some experience? Are they better um, because they bring some depth in? I think yes. Overall, yes, they have to be number one. They it can't be any worse than it was last year. It's the old adage: sometimes addition right. by subtraction is is better off for you. Well, and and I think that you lost a guy in Froholt that. You probably you didn't want to lose, but when it comes down to it, like he said, you have some competition. You have something to push people. 
they just didn't have anybody to turn to last year. And that is is evidenced by the fact that Clary stayed at center the whole time. Having the struggles that he had, he couldn't snap the ball, and he continued to be at center. And what's weird, uh, it's not really weird, but what you can speak to about not only that position group, but across the board is there weren't guys behind certain guys to push them to get better every day in practice. They were just locked up in the starting position. I mean, the most important position on the football field being the quarterback, Ty Story and Cole Kelly may have pushed each other, but it wasn't because of how good each of them were. It was because of neither of them really took the starting job all year. And you could say, well, Ty took it over from Cole, but if you really look at the games played, there wasn't a definitive quarterback in that locker room, a guy that stood out amongst the rest. And you hope that either Nix or Starkle can, can take over that role this year. But it's just... It wasn't just the offensive line unit, Brad, but it was the entire football team right. that had no depth surrounding it and which in turn didn't push anyone to become better. It was sad, actually, how far that Arkansas had fallen. It was last year, again, hopefully was the culmination of that. I mean, if you go back all the way back into 2012 in the Cotton Bowl and we've uh, Arkansas has finished number five in the country and, and won all of that. Now, all of a sudden, you know, Bobby Petrino falls off that bike and – and then everything just goes to crap, <laughs> you know, for lack of a better term. It's just, it's just awful. And and you know, bad hires, bad timing, all of these things uh, kind of wrap up together to make it what it was last year. And again, this is what the hope is: is that now it's a climb. Now you hope that you begin to see things, see potential. And I think you will. I really do. I think with added depth on the offensive line added depth in the skill positions. You know, nobody's really talking about this. Arkansas has some really, really good skill position players that they can hang their hat on this year that if they stay healthy, Ty, I think they've got a chance to be okay, not bad. You hope so. Our halftime poll question is, what questions do you want the coaches to answer outside of who's starting the quarterback? And I think that's the the ultimate prize that has not been answered to this point that Obviously, fans are going to congregate to because it's the quarterback position. It's the most paid attention to in all of college football, and you don't know who's going to start. You think you have an idea. You think Hicks is going to get it first. Stark will take over, but we really don't know to this point. But that is our halftime poll question. What questions do you have, or what questions do you want the coach to answer outside of who's starting at quarterback? You can hit us up on Facebook. Hit us up on Twitter at hit that line AR. Also. On our live listener line, 877-377-6963, call or text. We were talking about quarterbacks and kind of the difference a little bit. Obviously, with Cole Kelly and Ty Story departing, Cole Kelly to Southeast Louisiana State, and then Ty Story to Western Kentucky. You bring in Hicks, you bring in Starkle. Just from the outside looking in, it looks like that position got better Here's what Truman Carroll had to say about the quarterback growth, just from a strength standpoint. All of them have been vocal this summer. All of them have been vocal really since January. That's one position group that's grown, I think, the most since this time last year. Because, I mean, you look up every time we come in on Saturdays or off days, those quarterbacks get guys together. They're throwing, they're catching, they're running routes. And, I mean, that wasn't the case last year. And they're doing, I mean, you almost have to run them out of the facility at times just because you don't want them to overwork themselves. And, it's really attributed to, to the leadership that, that those guys have, have taken on in that quarterback room. So Coach True seems to really like what he's seen from the quarterbacks, just from his standpoint. Now, he's not going to be the guy that dives into the, the patterns and the, the 
the plays and all the stuff that both uh, Craddock and Morris are going to do, but just from his standpoint, just kind of how they're approaching themselves from a conditioning and strength, he's liking what he's seeing. And just hearing that, it, you know how during off seasons and during fall camp, there's you never hear about coaches like having telling players, oh, this guy had a bad fall camp, right. this guy had a bad summer. How much of that do you think you can take as truth compared to coach speak? Oh, that's a good question. I, it's hard to take anything that they say right now yeah. as less than coach speak. But it's also one of those things that right now they're trying to sell the program. I mean, you're you're coming off a four and eight, two and ten years. Um, they've got to sell the program to fans and give them some hope. And I think if people are paying attention enough, they can see that that just about every position group seems to have gotten better. And it, offensive line is important. Quarterback is obviously important as well. And, uh, you know, last year Arkansas struggled at quarterback. I mean, that's just really a nice way of putting it. They just didn't have guys that they could line up there and be the talent that they needed. Clay said on the morning rush yesterday they both sucked. He was about as blunt as it gets. He said they both sucked. And some people might not like that tone. I know we've got some Charleston listeners, Ty Story. I don't know how many listeners are really diehard fans of Cole Kelly, but, I, I mean, Clay... Clay knows his Arkansas football through oh, yeah. and through. If he thinks they suck, I'm, I'm going to tend to believe that he knows what he's talking about. Well, neither one of them were really SEC caliber. I mean, and, and the thing is, is that look at where they transferred to. Okay, if 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 they were to, you know, if Story was even at an Iowa State or somewhere like that, you would think, okay, maybe there was something wrong here. But I, I'm not going to take anything away from Ty Story, though, because Ty Story battled his heart out last year and did the things that he needed to do. I, I'll take you back to the Ole Miss game last year. You know, if Ty Story, he he's on a quarterback run, and he was running when he, you know, he just wasn't the fastest guy, but that was part of the offense. He had to do it. And he tries to run over the Ole Miss corner, and he gets lit up and it ends up costing Arkansas the ball game. So on one hand, you've got the quarterback, he's out there and he's laying it on the line for the Razorbacks. But on the other hand, he made a dumb play and it ended up costing the Razorbacks their only real chance at winning a conference game last year. And I like Ty's story. I'm I'm glad for what he did, but really and truly when it came down to it, he did not have the arm strength to to be an SEC guy. You're exactly right. And to go back to the old Miss point, he was asked after the game, I don't remember if I asked this. I, I know someone did. Would he do anything different? He said, no, I'm trying to make a play. And you have to balance admiring that and then distinguishing, well, you needed to get down because I'm not going to say you ultimately ta- cost your team the football game, but you didn't help any right. matters when the offense was clicking to that point. All of a sudden, you have to bring in a new QB and you lose Debois Whaley and didn't Rakeem Boyd also go Both. in that game? Yeah. yeah. So that was one of those things where it didn't <laughs> it didn't help matters for sure. So that man, that is just that was a game that just got away. And we've talked on ample occasions how important this Ole Miss game is this year. And I mean, think about the last season what that win would have done for you, for Brad, sure. if you would have gotten it. So a lot of momentum last year that they could have uh, received from that win, and you know they should have won the ball game. I mean. You go back and, and you look at it. They could have taken that into the offseason and said, you know, at least we had an SEC victory. It really looks terrible to be 0-8 in the SEC. Hopefully we'll never see those days again um, as people who cover Arkansas and the fans of Razorbacks. So 
Tremaine Carroll, strength and conditioning coach, also touched on the differences between last year and this year overall with the football team. I mean, honestly, I feel like we're in a much better spot this year than we were this time last year. Just physically, mentally, from a team standpoint, the guys being a cohesive unit, you know, all of those pieces are starting to gel together now. You know, we're a long ways from where we came, but still have a long ways to go in order to get where we need to be. Honestly, this time last year, I wish I had a lot more time to get the team prepared for fall camp. And we stand here today pretty happy with, with what we've been able to accomplish with the last eight weeks of the summer. Again, Brad, that goes back to coach speak. Like they're not going to say, oh, we got worse than last year because no fan wants to hear that this team got worse in the offseason coming off a 2-10 and ten year, the worst statistically in the Arkansas football history. Mm-hmm. But you hope that it's one of the things Chad Morris touched on during SEC media days. They're getting better in the locker room. They're seeing the transformation. They're not where they need to be yet, but you hope that can translate to wins like right. that's you're you're pushing that you're you're just like nudging them forward it's like okay you can talk all this verbiage you can say oh we're getting better we're doing this we're doing that well uh show us on the field now well i think it's a pretty safe bet though when you think about how low the bar was last year i mean most experts that look at the razorback schedule they're saying arkansas is going to get four non-conference victories and so if they get at least if they get the four non-conference victories you can say well we doubled our win total from last season if they can go into sec games and not get blown out every game then even if they lost every game there's something to say hey we got a little bit better this year than versus last year and part of the reason they're going to be able to hopefully do that is because of some of these outstanding freshmen that they brought in and two of the guys that were touched on during carol's press conference were jalen catalan and Traylon burks who both suffered acl injuries and are having to recuperate from that i had to do that my senior year. It sucked. I'm not going to tell you otherwise, but Tremaine Carroll touched on both of them and how they're recuperating within the uh, football program right now. First, here's what he had to say about Jalen Catalan. He's doing phenomenal. He's probably pound for pound. That's one, the strongest freshman to come in that group just because he came in with some unbelievable numbers also. But uh, he's a guy that, that one of those extra work guys that's going to be up there eight days a week. So honestly, really have to monitor and watch his extra work, make sure he's not running himself on the ground, you know, because it's going to be a long season for the SEC. You love to hear that from a strength and conditioning coach, that the guy's almost working too hard, that he's almost putting in too much effort to we have to kind of hone him back in a little bit. Oh, absolutely. And I think that goes to a little bit about just team chemistry and and the atmosphere that, that is there now versus what it was last year. I mean, you talk about people uh, last year and guys that just didn't buy in at all. You know, and, and Arkansas, I think they, they've cut like 31 guys or something like that over the last two seasons. So you think that some of that chemistry and camaraderie and those type of things will rub off. Yeah, I hope so. And this is also what he had to say about Traylon Burke's four-star kid out of Warren. Traylon Burke, same thing. I would say that he's still, they still make him wear his knee brace when he does certain things, just as a safety precaution. But uh, when he's out there running routes and doing all of that, yeah, he's, he looks, he looks really good, really fluid, really fluid. So Andy Hodges was on the program a couple weeks back, and he's a Warren guy and really likes Traylon Burks and he told me that he thinks he has the potential if not going to be better than both Jarius Wright, Greg Childs and Chris Gregg and that's a lot of potential <laughs> you got to live up to man. That's a mouthful. Yeah I don't know if I would go and put that out there when he's entering his freshman season especially after coming after a torn ACL entering his first year 
the SEC. If I remember correctly, I think he's the highest rated kid on. Is right? Is that right? That's right. Okay. That's right. I, I just you you know that because you follow more high school stuff, but you just hope that he can be a dynamite. And this was the statistic I looked up with uh, Greg Childs, Wright, and Joe Adams is they had less than a thousand yards combined their freshman year. So as as and I've talked about this as as excited as fans are, which mm-hmm. deservedly so with this recruiting class, four four star kids along with TQ Jackson, Trey Knox, and Sh- is Shamar Nass the other four yes. star? Okay, so those kids like. It's hard not to get excited about studs coming in, but you need to pump the brakes just a little bit because even in their freshman year, as good as Joe Adams, Greg Childs, and Jarius Wright became, they weren't just all Americans their freshman year, Brad. Oh, I agree with you. But I will also say that it's it's kind of like when you trotted what we trotted out on the field the last few years. Um, you've got to say, well, there's obviously an upgrade in talent. That's why people are are getting excited. Um, and I don't want to get too much into this because I know we're going to talk about this a little bit later. But when you have bigger people, just think about this. I mean, you're six four, exactly six five, six. Four. I mean, you're you played basketball. You know how that translates. So if you've got a guy that that is six two, and he's a really good athlete. And and probably the same across the board as somebody who's six seven, the six seven guy is always going to be have a little bit of an advantage there, no matter what. Now that you can't account for mindset and mentality and all of that, but if it's just straight across the board, you always want the six seven guy over the six two guy. It's like Cal Hurd always talks about if he's going to pick an NBA guy, he's going to take a LeBron over Steph Curry just because of the brute mentality exactly. and just how they're measured. <laughs> Listening to halftime with Phil Elson and Ty Richardson. Six seconds remain. Madden puts it up. Wow! What a finish! Bobby Portis, the magic man, arrives just in time. The tipping and zeros on the clock. All right, let's bring in Bobby Portis, former Arkansas standout and current New York Nick. Bobby, I just want to first and foremost say it's good to have a fellow Little Rock native on the show, man. Thanks for making some time for us. Absolutely, man. No problem. So, Bobby, first, let's start out with the Bobby Fortis Foundation, founded this year. What led you to kind of start that and give back to your hometown community back there in Little Rock? Um, it's always been my passion, man. Uh, you know, growing up in a single mom home, um, you know, seeing my mom work, you know, tirelessly, uh, you know, to... to you know, support me and my three little brothers to make sure that we were good. Uh, you know, that's always been my passion to give back. You know, um, to others. You know, just like my mom did to me. You know, work she worked extremely hard to take care of me. So, um, I wanted to found a um, a foundation that can you know support single moms because you know that's my passion. And, you know, everything you know just everything just aligned perfectly um, at this time. So your celebrity game coming up, not this Sunday, but the following Sunday, you got some of your former teammates and some studs, man. You got Kelly Oubre, former Kansas standout, Wendell Carter Jr., Duke, Zach Levine, dunk contest. I mean, you got some guys for this uh, this celebrity game. Talk about the game and for our listeners how they can get involved with this. Um, you know, just not the game. Just, you know, I got a whole weekend full of things, man. Uh, it's the Bobby Portis Foundation weekend kickoff, man. Uh, we're going to start off on Friday. Uh, we got... You know, the it's my it's my annual camp I do every year. It's gonna be the third annual countdown. Um, doing it at Hall. Um, it's already sold out. So 
you know, uh, during that Friday uh, morning, uh, two sessions. Uh, we have a first through sixth grade session. Then we have a seventh through twelfth grade session. Um, and then at nighttime, we're going to the bowling alley. Uh, it's going to be real, real fun. Um, on Saturday, uh, we had uh, Wild River Country. Uh, we know free. Uh, we know it's already sold out as well. Um, and then on uh, Saturday night, I have my uh, charity event. Uh, we know the mayor is going to come down and speak and all of that. And then on Sunday, uh, it's a big day. Uh, we got the uh, celebrity game. Uh, we know I'm bringing a lot of NBA players down to the, you know, the state. Uh, we know just trying to do something fun for the kids. And, you know, just trying to get everybody involved. Uh, you can go online to BobbyPortis.com to sign up and you know, you know, get your tickets. Um, tickets are going really fast. Um, you know, almost 2,000 tickets sold. So you know, if you're trying to get one, you know, you can get one soon. Bobby, this is Brad Caldwell. Um, you are one of the most beloved Razorback players of recent history. Um, and a lot of it has to do with just the heart that you had for the Razorbacks and, and that sort of thing. Talk about your love for the Razorbacks in this state. Um, it's big, man. Um, you know, growing up there, uh, you know, being there the first 20 years of my life, not going anywhere else, uh, you know, that's all I saw was, you know, hogs everywhere I went. Um, you know, if I go to the gas station down the street, you know, you always see all Razorbacks. If you go to Walmart, you see all Razorbacks. So, you know, just having that passion, having that grassroots where, you know, that's where I come from. Um, it's big for me. Um, you know, my mom and everybody was really passionate about the hogs. And, you know, they kind of just, you know, followed suit with myself. So, um, you know, being from there, you know, having, you know, the opportunity to rep the Arkansas everywhere I go. Um, and I try, I do that tremendously at the highest peak as I can. So um, I have a ton of passion for my state and for my city. So um, I wrote that tirelessly. Well, I know that you had a heart for the Razorbacks, and I know that it probably was actually somewhat of a difficult decision for you to leave after your second year here. Talk about yeah. the talk about that decision and uh, the role that your mom played in that decision. Uh, it was real tough, uh, you know, knowing that uh, my knew that we would have a have a really really good chance of being a being a really really good team the next season. Uh, we were added, uh, you know, Dusty Hannes with the group that. You know, our nucleus that we had with me, Mike, and, you know, Manny and Jabril. And, you know, we had a nice little a nice little nucleus going on right there. And, you know, we were loaded, going to be loaded the next year. Uh, but, you know, crazy things happen, man. Um, got real good advice from the NBA executives and things like that. And they, you know, they told me it was time for me to leave. And, um, and that was really, really, really hard on me because I knew I wanted to make my you know, my state proud, do some things that, you know, hasn't been done in a long time, but, you know, I had to put myself forward for, for a change. You know, I always put the team first and everything I do, but, you know, that one decision that I really had to, you know, put myself before anything. Talking with Bobby Portis, former Arkansas Razorback, current New York Nick here on Halftime. Bobby, you mentioned Dusty. He showed out in some G League games. He's, I mean, just, you know how ruthless of a three-point shooter is. You're one of your former teammates. I saw him on Dixon Street on Saturday night. I was talking with him a little bit. How, do you think he gets a shot at the NBA this season? And uh, what do you think he does if he gets that shot? Absolutely, man. Uh, everybody calls him a shooter, but he's, just, he's a basketball player. Man. He can score the ball from all three levels. So, you know, get down here, shoot the floater, get to the rim, you know, finish through contact, you know, and shoot the three as well. So he scores all three levels. He's a really, really... You know, high competitive guy. Um, that's one thing that you really need to do as a basketball player is be real competitive because, um, you know, there's always somebody that's going to come at you each and every game. And I think he does a good job of that, of honing in on that. And also, man, he had a he had a hell of a summer league. And, 
you know, I think that's the, you know, that's a step in the right direction for him. And, and I'll, I hope he can get a chance to, you know, make a team, make, make a roster or, or even get a contract, man, because I feel like the last couple of years he's been grinding really hard towards that. And I feel like he's right there. He's right there. He's right there with it. So, Bobby, one of the things I liked about Dusty since he was in high school is he didn't mind talking trash, letting the other team know how he was doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I know as a teammate, you probably heard that some in practice. And I remember back to when you played the Bulls for the first time when you were traded to the Wizards, how you were talking a little bit. Well, just going across the NBA, is there a player you particularly like to score and trash talking the most? Is there a guy that stood out to you these last couple years as a guy you really enjoy scoring on? I know me and Julius Randle, like we used to go at it a lot, uh, but now we're teammates now. So um, I think we'll just do that in practice now. Uh, I know me and him, every time we matched up against one another, it was going to be a dog fight each and every night. Um, that's always been us since we were, since I was, you know, a youngin. And, uh, you know, we just, you know, always went hard against each other. And you know, I think that's one guy that I really love competing against um, in the league. Bobby, you mentioned your kind of situation growing up with brothers in a, in a single parent home with your mom. I've heard you touch on this subject before. With kids today, with a lot of the kids that you're mentoring, with kids you're going to speak to back when your foundation comes back to Little Rock in two weeks, what advice would you have for these kids growing up that were in similar situation to what you were? Um, just uh, you know, just you know, take your time with it. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, uh, everybody's path is different. Everybody's journey is going to be you know, different on, on anything that you want to do. But, you know, one thing I've always, you know, you know, I've always prided myself on working hard and, you know, staying down because, you know, I always knew that the cream always rises to the top. That's one thing my mom used to always tell me that if I work hard, I can be what I want to be. If I work hard and, you know, put the time and put the effort in, then you know, obviously, you know, one day it'll happen for me and, and it happened for me. So um, I would tell a kid that, you know, coming from the same place I came from to, you know, just always believe in yourself. Um, you know, it's going to be, you know, naysayers, doubters, there's going to be people that, you know, just going to call you crazy, crazy for, you know, even believing that you can be who you really want to be. But if you believe in yourself and put yourself forward and, you know, just work hard and stay down, you know, I think the cream always rises to the top and, you know, God takes care of people who works hard. Bobby, you talk about your journey, a kid at Hall High School, becoming a McDonald's All-American, and now going through the Razorback organization, and now you're a New York Nick. You're playing for one of the most legendary franchises in the history of the play, the mecca of basketball, Madison Square Garden. What was your initial thoughts going through your mind when you signed the contract to play for the New York Knicks? Uh, you know, the first couple of days was just like, yeah, I committed to the Knicks and this and that. It was like kind of weird, you know. Um, but then as the day started progressing, I'm like, yo, I'm really like a New York Knicks. And me and my fam was just, you know, so ecstatic and, you know, so so humble and so happy to be a part of, you know, such a legendary franchise. But, you know, just all, just, just man, just, just aside all the hard work that I put into it, all the, you know, time and effort, you know, just all the people who helped contribute to, you know, my success up until this point, man, it's a, it's a blessing, man, to even be in this position to even, you know, sign a, you know, a deal in the NBA again, another another contract, so. Um, I'm, I'm blessed to be in this position. Um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of emotions that go through your head, you know, during free agency. But you know, luckily I was I was able to sign on day one of free agency, and you know, um, I'm just humble and you know happy to be in it. Talking with Bobby Portis here on halftime. Bobby, obviously your former coach Mike Anderson, no longer with the Razorback program, recently fired a couple 
weeks or months back. Has Eric Musselman reached out to you since taking the job? And if so, what did he have to say? Um, you know, he actually reached out to me the first day he got to he got the head coaching job. Um, he reached out to me, just you know, told me that I'm always welcome to come up there and just want to talk to me. He could talk to me, and he just you know, I don't know, I don't know how he got my number, and I guess he got it from Coach Zimmerman or somebody, or I don't know. He texted me and just told me that you know he wants me to come up there and you know, you know, just just, just be involved a little bit more and things like that. And you know, he's a he seems like a really really cool outgoing guy and. And I think that's what we need, man. Get us back rolling. Um, you know, we, you know, we we were right there, you know, over the years. Uh, we just couldn't get over the hump a little bit, but you know, I think we got the we got the right guy to the we got the right guy for it now. So um, I'm kind of happy for us. Um, I like the I like the the direction that we're going in, and you know, he seems like he says all the right things. So you know, um, I can't wait till wait till November comes. Other coaching news in Arkansas. Scotty Thurman named the head coach at Parkview. I know this is kind of interesting for you because yeah, that's big time. That's big time right there. <laughs> Scotty was uh, on staff, obviously, when you were there, and then now he's the head coach of your rival in high school. Have you talked to him about that? And you're definitely, I'm yeah, assuming. So, you, go ahead. Yeah, what's so crazy about that is um, he actually called me yesterday, joking about it. So um, it's my little brother goes to Parkview and he plays basketball. So um, he was telling me I gotta come wear a Parkview shirt, and I was like, Nah, 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 I can't do all that, man. You know, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a whole high warrior through and through. So uh, we just called. He called and called. He called me, and we joked about it. And, and that's kind of cool to see, you know, Coach Coach Thurman's journey. I've been knowing him since I was about eight or nine years old when I was playing with Cordis Williamson's basketball team. Scotty had a team as well called the All Stars. So um, I've been knowing him for a long, long time now, about 15 years. So. Um, it's kind of cool to see, you know, people's journey and people, people's journey and, uh, and you know, um, where it takes them. All right, Bobby, real quick before you let, we let you go, NBA 2K20, what should your rating be on that game? Um, I already got my rating, man. I can't, uh, I, can't, I can't release it right now because they have to do a little update on it. But <laughs> I got my rating already, and I don't, I'm, I'm going to say this, man. I'm not, I'm, I'm not satisfied with it at all. <laughs> uh, It'll get up though for sure. I'll be in the 80s uh, this season for sure. I'm almost positive I will, but um, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not happy about it at all. I told I told Ronnie to care about that. <laughs> uh, you know, a couple of days ago when he sent it to me, he sent me to the screenshot of it, and uh, I told him he had to change my hair a little bit before I posted because I was tired of you know me having a having having no hair on there. So uh, it, it was really really cool though, man. Well, Bobby, you got all season to get that rating up, man. Bobby Portis, former Arkansas Razorback, current New York Nick. Bobby, thanks for making some time for us, and uh, good luck to your foundation next week down there in Little Rock with the different events you got. Absolutely, man. I appreciate y'all. Jeff's Clubhouse has the best brunch in town every Saturday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., bottomless mimosas, an endless buffet, and so much more. 2801 Old Greenwood Road in Fort Smith. More Halftime Pod coming at you. Brad Caldwell's with me. Sport director at River Valley, now also produced Corlisville. If you haven't seen the documentary of the great Corliss Williamson, you need to go check it out. So, Brad, we're just going to run through these real, real quick and kind of give our opinions on them coming up at the uh, end of hour number two. The QB situation is listed number one in this article. And I don't know about you, man, but that might be the least concerning position on the football team field to me and maybe that's me being naive maybe right. that's me being ignorant but at this point in time I don't really worry about Ben Hicks 
trying to grasp the offense or Nick Starkle playing the SEC. That just doesn't doesn't scare no, me at all. No, not at all. And um, although I think there's definitely question marks there, if you're listing that as the number one question in the offseason, you're not really watching Arkansas at all. The number one question right now is the offensive line. I mean, we've we've touched on it. You know, is is Ty Clary going to be able to hold on to that spot? Is he going to be able to be productive in that spot? You know, I actually wrote this article about the offensive line, and I said that um, Colton Jackson starting at left tackle would actually be great for Arkansas because he's able to beat out a Myron Cunningham and be able to be productive. And then also Clary starting at center would be probably better for Arkansas because he's got SEC experience. Clary does not have a problem blocking. It's the snapping that was that got him. But if I'm asking myself what's the biggest question, it's definitely not the quarterback. Second question, how dominant will McTelvin again be inside? And this was a good stat that Adam pulled out. 20 of the 26 sacks from last season are no long, longer on the roster. Now that's a stat when you first look, you're just like, man, they only have six sacks from last year on the roster, and this wasn't a team to begin with last year that was getting to the quarterback by any means, and you hope with uh, Sosa Aguim that his move to the inside, he'll be the Armand, the departed Armand Watts and really step up his senior year because this is a five guy that's really yet to live up to his potential. Right, and he has that potential. I mean, you saw uh, clips of him in high school returning kicks and that sort of thing. The thing that has always been with him is what position is he going to play? Is he a defensive end? Is he a defensive tackle? It looks like now they've got the weight on him that they need to get on him. He's inside. He has the ability to anchor that defensive line this year, which I think you've already touched on just a little bit. It's It's got some potential. Third question, will the freshman receivers step up? And I'm going to caution this with, the yes, they're going to step up, but only to a certain extent. You're not going to get the sophomore, junior, senior numbers that you got right. from some of those guys back in 2011-2010. It's just not going to be to that point. So, yes, they're going to step up but you got to cap them off at some point. Well, one of the hardest positions to learn out of high school is the wide receiver position. And there's just there's a lot of nuances to wide receivers about how coverages look. Wide receivers have to understand what the coverage looks like because if the quarterback sees something in the coverage and the wide receiver can't see that, get the signal, that sort of thing, it can be disastrous for, for the quarterback. He's going to end up throwing an interception, get a sack, whatever. Um, so they have to be able to learn those little nuances. Oh, they're going to show physical potential. I mean, if all there was to a wide receiver was to just run down the sideline and throw it as far as you can and the receiver catch it, I think Arkansas would have a great year at wide receiver. But I think they're going to have a good year, and I think that the potential – is going to be there to see what they can do in years two and three. Keyword is potential on that one for sure, Brad. All right, number four, how good can C.J. O'Grady be? Brad, you go back to last year, his two best games were against the best competition. Two touchdowns against Alabama, two touchdowns against LSU. This is a guy that's had numerous off-the-field issues. You think about the, oh, call me Cheyenne, even though he's been called C.J. for the majority of his time at Arkansas. The talent's there. Sure. I don't know how many times I've said that on this program or on other programs. He has the talent. He was a stud coming out of FHS. But it's the off-the-field stuff that makes you wonder if, and finally, he can put it all together in his last year. And I think he can. Uh, Will he will be the question. But the thing about this is with him this year, probably more than any other year, he's got people pushing him. If he doesn't 
get the job done. There's other people that will get the job done behind him. Hudson Henry, and, Harold. Exactly. Yeah. And I, here's the thing about it is that that tight end group, that position is probably the least questionable position on the football field for Arkansas right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see. And I'll say this, and I've been very outspoken and upfront about this, and not everyone agrees with me. I'm curious to see how Hudson translate to college. And I want him, like, I mean, his – his dad's a pastor at my church back in Little Rock. Like he hunters uh, in my grade, and we went to rival high schools. But I, I have no ill will towards Hunter, and I think well, I just didn't see anything from him from the state championship game when they played Little Rock Christian. Like he was a ghost; he wasn't anywhere. Yeah. And he's not as big as Hunter, and he's not as good as Hunter. And so I, I still have some question marks. I hope I'm wrong about that, but I think Tom will tell on that. All right, number five: Can the Hogs make some big plays through the air? Go back to last year. 34 plays through the air that gained 20 or, four, 20 or more yards. That was only second to last trailing Kentucky. Seems like Kentucky's helping out with a lot of the with the sacks <laughs> right. thing I was touching on a while back. They got to have some dynamite plays, man. You can't have an offense that mm-hmm. runs the up tempo, go, 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 unless you're getting chunk plays. They got to change that this year. Bro. That And that goes back to athleticism. You know, that goes back to speed. And that's something that Arkansas hasn't had in a long time. I think they've got guys that they can put in there. You saw a little bit of it last year when Rakeem Boyd got in the mix and really kind of solidified himself as the starter. He was able to bust off some of those type of plays. But in the passing game now, those wide receivers are going to have to step up. But again, Mike Woods. Is he going to be able to be explosive? That will be a key in the passing game. You mentioned Rakeem Boyd. That's the next question. That's the last one we'll touch on before we go to break. How good can he be? I mean, you think about last year, over 700 yards. He busted out against Ole Miss. He had the, the Auburn game, the Alabama game. There are some games you're like, wow, that sure looks reminiscent of another number five. And you just wonder if he can stay healthy, which one of the big things coming out of JUCO, going to first year in the SEC, really full-time, really won at A&M. How good can he be if he can have a fully healthy season? Really good. And I'm going to say something that uh, Jonathan Williams actually personally disagreed with me on Twitter about one day. (laughs) I said that he was the most talented back that Arkansas has had since Darren McFadden. And if he can stay healthy, he can be that guy. Jonathan Williams, he saw that tweet and he basically laughed at me. He he wasn't happy about that. But I do believe that he's got the speed to do that. You're listening to the Halftime Podcast, presented by Jeff's Clubhouse. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush podcast at hitthatline.com. 